Hey everybody, welcome to Geeky Dads, talk about geeky things. I'm JJ Johnson, and joining me back on the show today is two very special guests, and that is Steve Raza and Jason C. Joyner. Guys, what is going on? Jason, let's start with you. Well, I am in the midst of home deconstruction, it feels like. We had um, a huge rainstorm that caused flooding in the basement, so I'm learning how to relay carpet and do all these other skills. So, um, yeah, fun times here in Idaho. It's like, wait, when did I move to Seattle? Because we've just been getting nonstop thunderstorms and rain. Wow. I mean, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. That just doesn't sound like fun, man. All right. So, uh, yeah, you guys have been getting a lot of rain up there. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of weird because you guys normally get heavy downfall rain like that. Oh, no. In fact, our storm systems aren't developed to use it. I mean, there's a um, city north of me called Idaho Falls that they've got the underpasses um, for the, the railroad goes over. And so they've got underpasses to cross town and that whole thing flooded. So there's a video that was circling on TikTok of this. People were looking, look, they're trying to get the drain going. And here comes this car running through and it just starts floating through the all the rainwater because oh. they were idiots. Oh. Thanks. Wow. Uh, yeah, I remember you sent me that TikTok, and I was like, "No, no." As somebody who in Oklahoma is used to storms, I'm like, "Oh, bad idea, buddy. Back up, back up, back up." But <laughs> yeah, we don't get that kind of rain, so we don't have the storm systems, you know, built for that to accommodate it. So the things just don't hold up. I mean, I had this, um, I had this big old puddle in front of my house. I've got a drain in front of my house, but at the drain, it was a foot deep. Um, you know, I went to go see if it was clogged up by things and I stepped into it. And yeah, one foot and just took time to drain down. Man. And Steve, you were right next door in Wyoming. So how's it going in Wyoming, man? Um, about like Jason, not quite as bad. Uh, we've gotten, I don't know how many inches of rain over the past week or so off and on. And I don't know about you, Jason, but for us, it'll kind of be like, you know, the day will start out a little cloudy and then it'll go to sunny. And then, you know, sometime in the afternoon, it'll just start dumping and then it'll clear up eventually. Yeah, that's kind of been our picture. It's, you know, it's like, OK, is it going to rain? Is it not? Every day is, you know, chance of showers. And um, I mean, we're desert. We're high mountain yeah. desert and yeah, same uh, here. just isn't uh, our typical thing. So, yeah. but uh, man, things are green. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah oh yeah ours are really green here it looks great we were driving to sheridan the other week and my wife's like wow it's beautiful i'm like yeah it's totally beautiful i mean in august it's probably going to be you know dry as a bone but yeah all, all the firefighters around here are calling it oh it's fuel season fuel We're season yes fuel yep. out, that's that's the term months. here too yep <laughs> fuel season all right folks well this is the meteor episode and we're so <laughs> you're joining us i'll be talking about tornado chasing here in a minute <laughs> <laughs> no uh so yeah we're we're actually filming they're filming twitter in oklahoma uh city and around the area and you know I, I always wanted to be a tornado chaser and then i started watching what tornado chasers actually do and i'm like you know what this is this is a dumb career and i don't have the <laughs> policy for it so <laughs> i opted not to go that direction with my life <laughs> that's probably for the best Probably so. Probably so. Although, you know, Twister 2, a Twister movie without Bill Paxton, I just, yeah. it's going to work out, man. But so we'll see. Yeah. All right, folks. So this episode, we're going to kind of be a two part episode. 
so here's the deal. Uh, this episode is dropping on June 21st, and it was June 21st last year. Uh, Steve Raza and I sat down and talked about our top five spaceships and the podcast. So, Steve, do you remember your top five spaceships? No, I was just thinking, I was like, oh, shoot, please don't ask me that. Because <laughs> I got no idea. <laughs> please. I, I mean, remember so I know, like, the you know, Serenity was up there somewhere, Millennium Falcon. Um, I had the Enterprise up there, too, somewhere. Which one? I don't think I picked. Okay. I think I just kind of said the Enterprise in general, because it's always very kind of yeah. elegant compared to a lot of the other, you know, a lot of the other sci-fi ships that you see are kind of blocky and blunt and brute forcing and the enterprise is always very graceful looking i think that's why i had it up there steve oh, i can't believe you didn't I, have the cerritos i did i did jason i had the cerritos in there did you oh. i did i remember i'm pretty sure it was in my top five somewhere because yeah. it's kind of it's got that same vibe like the enterprise because it's in the star trek universe but it's just kind of you know it's like the workhorse <laughs> it's kind of like here's the saucer here's the warp engines that's it it's kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I had Galactica on there. You did, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was one. I had Spaceball One on there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one too. Uh, the one from Guardians of Galaxy. I'm just drawing a blank on that one. Um, or not oh, the Gar first one. Uh, it was a uh, Hitchhiker. Hitchhiker's oh, guy. Hitchhiker. Oh yeah, the uh, Heart of Gold. Yes, yeah, is the Heart right? of Gold. Is that the name? Yeah. Yeah. It's too funny. Oh, good time. So anyway, the podcast is is over a year old now. Um, so not much to say about it. I mean, it, it amazes me that people actually showed up and listened. I thought only 15 people would show up and listen, uh, which makes me feel bad because the production quality on some of those episodes were poor. But, you know, Steve, over 1,300 people have listened to that episode. Me that's and you, crazy. Spaceships. And that's not even the highest rated episode. Uh, like 10 more people have listened to me and Andrew talk about 1983 movies. And I have no idea why 1983 have uh, all done. Why that uh. the movie or the, the year that people want to listen to movies. So anyway, so the podcast folks is a year old. Um, that's about it. But today, congratulations, JJ. Yeah. yeah congratulations. Make, make it a year. Awesome. I mean, not a lot of podcasts make it like that. So no, no, and uh, you know, I, I started it for two reasons. One, tired of toxic conversations. I think we all were tired of the toxic conversations and fandoms. And look, we get it, guys. We understand. There's things that go on in the world. And we all have. The, I'm just not good at culture war discussions. That's just me personally. I, I don't get into them, and I'm not. I don't know what to say half the time. <laughs> and when I do say something, I sound like an idiot. So. I tend to shy away from those conversations and I just don't enjoy them. And, I, you know, I get it, but I think we're all getting kind of tired of toxic conversations and fandom and podcasts where two guys were sitting down over a cup of coffee or, and just pretty much chatting about the things they like. And so for the most part, I think it's, it's gone pretty well. Um, there've been a lot of episodes where <clears throat> I think one or two where I didn't know what I was talking about. And, uh, but I had, you know, experts on uh, that 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 particular those particular episodes that kind of really helped the conversation. But for the most part, I feel like um, feel like we've done really well. So, but today, I got these two guys on for another re uh, reason because we're going to reveal something today, and uh, I'm going to I'll start us off 
And then Jason, I'm gonna let you take from there because I'll give a little bit of the history, and then I'll let Jason take it because this really kind of, in a way, was all Jason's idea, inadvertently. I think <laughs> it's and it's really all his fault that Steve and I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sounds like a good strategy. Blame Jason. All right, so the th we all three have students. Uh, I have the Iggy Nas series. Uh, Steve has, you know, his Mercury uh, series, also with his Vincent Chin series, and all your series kind of tied together, right? It's what, what do you call it? The inter interstice. Yeah, Air that's like Mercury and the superhero type ones all tie together, and then the space opera ones are a little more separate, but. Okay. Doesn't mean they have to say that way. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Jason has his, you know, uh, the Rise of the Anointed series, uh, the superhero series, the trilogy. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is all three of these have won awards. All three of these are Realm Award winning series. Um, but I think it was in, you know, Steve, mine and your series, we crossed over in your novella. Uh, Mercury off course, I believe it was. Yes. Yep. And you had Mercury come to Whispering Pines, which is the, the world that Iggy and Oz live in. It's the neighborhood. And they went and searched to look for the chest that brought the dinosaurs alive in the plastic dinosaurs of doom. And that chest came out of Mr. Chesterson's house, who I'm getting ready to reveal in this next book uh, exactly who he is. and you know, what's unique about him and why all these items coming out of his house, um, you know, are sort of coming alive. And that book, as this is airing, is live on Kickstarter. So please do me a favor and go back that on Kickstarter for $5 or a buck. Just take <laughs> the project. But anyway, um, so you brought, you know, Mercury to Whispering Pines. He interacted with Iggy. Uh, he fought a monster at the bottom of a pond. And then I decided in the Soda Pop Wars and the Living Snot that Iggy was just going to be a fan of Mercury. And I was like, he's going to be a fan of Mercury. He's going to have all the Mercury books. He's going to believe that these are Mercury's memoirs. He doesn't understand why Mercury's allowing this guy named Steve Veraza to put his name on the cover. And so <laughs> Iggy became a fan of Mercury. And then I wrote a, I had a short story, a flash fiction. It was a featured story. Jason and I were the featured authors for Prismatic in Havoc. And I was struggling to write that story. I had a week to write it. And I was watching who oh, yeah. and Julie Hall, and I think it was Randall Dunn, uh, do a live stream on Realmakers. It was uh -huh. when they were doing the Realmakers with all the Realm Award winners. And I was like, you know what? I should write a book. A story about Oz getting a hold of a green dragon pepper because I had to pick a color. So my green was my. Oh, color. yeah. And uh, he needs to FaceTime. He's going to FaceTime Mercury and talk to Mercury about what to do about Oz. And Mercury's in the middle of running through from a monster. So that book, that, that story actually appears in um, Prismatic. I have to say, JJ had longer than a week. He just waited till a week due or due <laughs> to write it. <laughs> Well, I mean, technically, that's still accurate. Technically, he had a week at that point after yeah. he'd procrastinated. Then he still had a week. But I, I had a week 
turn it in, but I have known about this war over seven months. <laughs> uh, well, eh. hey, I'm I'm spilling the tea here. You know, I'm spilling the tea. The background of life of an author. Oh wait, deadline's coming up. I guess I better get on that. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I'm I'm, but and I'll turn this over to Jason. But so the the book that's on Kickstarter right now is Ziggy and Oz: The Great Ice Cream Truck Heist, and <laughs> There's a scene in that book. I wanted to bring the chess back into the story. This isn't spoilers, folks. And the group had to go get the chess. And then I was sat there and I was writing and I was like, hold on a minute. Where the heck is the chess? <laughs> Mercury sink the chess? <laughs> so I messaged Steve and you were in an event, I believe it was. Probably. Dude. Where's the chest? Did, did Mercury sink the chest to the bottom of the freaking pond? Was this was this back in the winter when you did this? Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so then I was at like the Christmas Expo thing with my books. Yes, and you're which like, is really funny because I'm like, oh well, I, I know how to check that. I mean, the books are sitting right here, like right <laughs> right there. That's so you back and you're like, <laughs> at the bottom of the pond, dude. So then I had to have Iggy explain why the heck this chest is at the bottom of the freaking pond to all these kids. Now, while I was writing this, uh, of us had had come up with we and and here's the big reveal, folks. Um, the three of us are collaborating on a book uh, together, and we're taking the Iggy Nas books characters. Uh, and it's just Iggy and Oz. It's not the other kids in the neighborhood. It's the Mercury and his characters and everything that's in Jason's series, you know, DeMarcus, Lily, Harry, all of them are now in this story. So it's one big story uh, with all three of our characters in their world coming together. Now, I'm going to turn this over to Jason because really this kind of started with Jason. And and you were kind of struggling to get back into writing, and you had this idea, and then um, and then yeah, now 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 we're into this, and we're about I don't know how many words in. We're almost at twenty thousand words, I think. <laughs> so probably more than that. Probably it is. It is eighteen thousand words. Okay, oh, not quite. Okay, so but that also includes like you know outline stuff and notes. So okay, something needs to happen more like here. Seventeen. What's that? Something needs to happen here. Those are yeah, that's, that's kind of what I did. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. We'll turn this so, over to Jason. You <laughs> yeah, we're really pulling back the curtain on the process, King. So, yeah, I've got a, I've got a young adult superhero series called Rise of the Anointed, and it's about um, four teens who are given gifts by God to fight a rising evil, but they're, they can choose what they're going to do with their gifts. And um, they... Um, they had their adventures in my trilogy, and um, I've been working on um, a couple other projects, but just life's been happening, and I haven't had a lot of time to dig into what I want to move into next. And so Steve and I, um, we kind of messaged a bit about, wouldn't it be crazy if we could interact with um, our characters, um, with each other, and... Uh, I just one day I was like, hey, Steve, I've got an idea of how how our characters can intertwine because um, my um, my my teens, DeMarcus has super speed. Lily can manipulate 
light and the electro electromagnetic spectrum. Um, Sarah Jane is a healer, and Harry can teleport. And so I'm like, what if there was like a something with teleportation, where my characters cross over into the Mercury verse into into Interstellar? And um, so we kind of talked about this, and um, then it's you know I was I had a little time, and I'm like, okay. I've got an idea how we could maybe start this. And I wanted to tie into one of Steve's books where he had some characters that were kind of from a fantasy or Renaissance type setting. So they had the diff they dressed, they weren't dressed modern. And so I had my characters go to a Renaissance fair. They were dressed up and a weird fog starts to roll in. And it's like, Hey, this isn't natural. Maybe we need to get our gear. So Harry goes to teleport him to their, um, place where they keep their gear and instead they go for a loop and they end up um in the midst of mercury fighting another monster and i sent that out and you know everybody's like yeah hey this is you know um okay this is kind of fun so it you know i was inspired by you guys what you did i was kind of jealous too it's like hey i want to play and you know figure out how to to butt my way in there and so that's kind of how we got the ball rolling yeah, and I think uh, originally we had thought of bringing um, Becky Dean in with her uh, cute little British boy, as she refers to him. Um, but I think I think you know she signed with uh, Dale Court Press, obviously one of the big five. So I don't situation of rights, so she wasn't able to. She had to bow out, and that and that would have been fun uh, to have Becky in there. And uh, bring that angle, but uh, and, you know, just it was just you know because of her rights and the series that is ongoing. And if you haven't checked out her travel series, folks, um, these are sort of the rom coms, but you would absolutely love them uh, if you have a spouse that loves to read. And these are perfect summer reads, so go grab those, folks. Do her a favor and go grab those. But There's you know, one product placement. Yeah, there you go. There you, there you go. go on the video. Grab there it off a shelf. So anyway, um, so that's kind of that's kind of how it goes. But you know what? What I want to talk about a little bit is, um, well, Steve, let's kind of get your thoughts on it, and then we're going to talk about how how the how our writing process has kind of gone on. So processes are fun. <clears throat> well, no, I thought it was great when Jason sent that along. It's like yes, um, and I don't remember JJ how we got you. And Becky in on it, even because I, I don't remember how that went exactly. I think um, we just had a chat that we were brainstorming, kind of like, yeah, um, I think you're right. Hey, Jason. You know, what if we pulled in, you know, Iggy and Oz, and then, you know, right. hey, Becky could, you know, Becky's in her first book there, The Love and Love and Other Great Expectations. Her main character is from California. And so that's where things were yeah. going to be. Oh, that's, I think that's, that's what, what it was. You know, okay. Yeah. Um, right. What if they're, you know, that crossed over? So we just, um, we pulled together, we have a mastermind writing group and there was about the, the four of us that had characters that could have fit kind of logically into this scenario. We've got friends with other projects that, you know, the location and everything wouldn't necessarily work. So um, we couldn't include everybody, but uh, that's my recollection is we kind of brainstormed things and then realized realistically it probably wasn't going to work for Becky and she's super busy because she has another series under BLD, uh, her space opera series. Another so one. She's yeah, like releasing a book every other day, it seems like. 
yeah. all those people who write so many books. What the heck? Oh my gosh. It's crazy. I don't know how to deal with those. Yeah. And I, I worked hard to bring her to the dark side of indie publishing. You did your best. Yeah. She just, she I just. Appreciate it. <laughs> we love no, so, uh, yeah, when Jason said that along, you know, I mean, I was, it was great. And, you know, I had my, I think I just took off with the next chapter there. What was fun about it was um, part of what made me want to do this whole thing was I had been part of a group of authors with who most of whom are with Enclave Publishing now, but it was March or Lord Press back in the day. And we had done a story where we had taken a picture that the publisher had made a digital art picture. And it was of some fantasy type characters in a tavern, you know, like a thief and a paladin and a rogue and just your kind of stereotypes that way. And he was like, well, I really want to do a thing where you guys take turns writing a story. So we wound up producing a little novella. Um, and yeah, there were seven of us, I think. And we each took turns writing a chapter, but it was the same five characters that we all shared same five major characters. So I was thinking of that. And that's where I was like, Oh yeah, this would be really fun if we could do it this way. And JJ already had Iggy and Oz, you know, we had already Mercury had already hung out with them. But I really wanted to get Jason in because I like loved his uh, superhero teenagers, and I'm like, they would be great because you know they're they're in a sense they're a little more mature even than Mercury is, even though Mercury's in his late twenties, early thirties. He really needs that growing up some more. Um, so that's what I'm enjoying about this is that now, not only does he have to Mercury kind of have to be in charge in a way because all the other major characters are conveniently not around, conveniently, <laughs> and now he's got four teenagers and two kids under the age of 12 or wait is iggy 12 iggy's 12 he's 12 okay two kids 12 and under that he's got to kind of wrangle because the parents aren't in the picture for iggy and oz but we won't spoiler that we're gonna leave that we gotta leave that one quiet yeah Um, but what's been i what i really enjoy about it now is watching how we write each other's people that's a lot of fun I think uh, one of the recent segments that we finished was Iggy and Oz in the car with Garvey, the kind of monosyllabic security chief for Mercury's Procyon Foundation. And, you know, it's not going well. And JJ kind of was sending me messages like, how grumpy can he get with these kids? I was like, dude, the character's backstory, he's got triplet boys that same age. So he can absolutely be as grumpy as you want. He's a dad. He's, just go go to town so i thought that was really he did a, it was a really good job of just you know it's more for the characters it fleshes them out more each time we do this and i think it's great yeah and okay so so how we've been doing this folks and we're not going to give away spoilers um but you know you know when it's a mercury chapter from mercury pov deep when it's a point of view from you know, one of Jason's characters and, you know, he's, he's got multiple characters. It's, uh, Jason writes it. And then the Iggy and Oz chapters are sort of kind of like those, I call them interludes. They're sort of just kind of there. It's just say, okay, here's what's going on over here, but you know, let's pan the camera over this way. And let me tell you really what's going on. And so the Iggy and Oz chapters, those are written by me, but they're kind of sprinkled in as sort of those little, quick burst of interludes. So I I think what people would be interested in is, is, is how we, how we approach writing a story together, because 
all three of us are, um, I'd say all three of us in, a, in many ways are discovery writers. Um, and when we do a line or we, it's, it's like very brief, like a bullet point, like this happens, this happens, and then this happens. So what I think would be fun is just each of us take a minute and just talk about what we think of the other person's writing style and how they approach writing. <laughs> so I'll go first. I'll, I'll, I'll okay. talk to Jason and Jason, you can talk about Steve's and then Steve can make something up about me. So, Got it. all right. So, because even though all three of us are discovery writers and we've talked about this, we all approach discovery writing just a little bit different. And folks, for those of you who don't know what discovery writing is, it's what some people would call pantsing or sea of the pantsing. Uh, writing by the seat of your pants, but I am on a mission from God to eliminate the word pantser right? uh, vocabulary. So I don't like that. I use the word discovery writer. You don't have an outliner. Yeah, you you yeah. said you don't have an outliner. Go. Um, when I look at Jason's writing style, um, Jason really you you take uh you take time to wrestle with a scene quite a bit, and, and I mean that in a good way. Like you sit down and you just you think it out and you you will wrestle with that but when that scene is done that scene is done i mean it it when i've read some of your words i've been sitting there going man there's not a whole lot of editing that really needs done maybe like you know some proofreading here or there maybe a the comma or some things like that but for the most part the scene is done and you know you you you, you tend to just take that and just and just go that, and I mean that as a compliment because that's something I'm very weak at, and because I, I do a ton of editing on the back end. But when I re, when I look at your writing, I, I I see that you just taking time and really thinking it out, and it may take you a little longer to finish that scene, but that scene is done when you when you get done with it. So I don't know if you feel the same way about your writing as I do, but that's how I see it for me. Well, I, I certainly appreciate that. And yeah, it's, um, by the way, we're discovering writing this podcast because we really didn't have a script for it. We're just kind of rolling along. But, uh, um, <laughs> we're yeah, not pantsing I, it though, no pantsing it. It's, we're pantsing it, yeah. Um, and Steve has, I'm his nemesis in the discovering writing slash pantsing debate because I love to throw the word pantsing at him because he doesn't like it. Um, so yeah, I um, I have a friend that, um, talk to me about the, the, she, she would say girls in the basement, but I, um, you know, some minor boys in the basement. And I think also, um, James Scott Bell kind of uses this term and, um, you know, that you've got these ideas percolating and stirring in the back. And so you're thinking about things and, um, you know, kind of plotting them, you're plotting them in your head. You're just not putting an outline down. Um, or I think the term composting kind of works too is, you know, you get these ideas and you start, you know, you're throwing them together and, and see what grows out of them. And, um, so yeah, I, um, sometimes it takes me a minute to get what I want going, but once I have that, then I can, you know, then I definitely can discovery ride. And I, I'm more of a, probably more of a hybrid rider. I, I'll have somewhat of an outline, but it's kind of bare bones. It's like, okay, I know these couple things happen, but I don't know how they're going to get from A to B. So I have to discovery write that journey um, and kind of work it. 
but um yeah it's you're definitely right it's fun to see each other's how we're working and we've got you know so we've got a google document we're sharing and um you know we can throw notes in there and comments with each other and so when it comes to steve's writing um i just really appreciate how well he knows his his characters and how the characterization um just comes through and um i'm you know when i read I love to read Steve's books because I just feel like you get to be in the character's shoes um, so much. And, um, you know, some some things that I read, the, there's just not a lot of strong characterization. You know, the action is good, the plot's interesting, um, but it's kind of weak on character. You don't know much about him. And with Mercury, you know, you, you have a lot of, um, you know, his little intricacies. Um, his quirks and they come through and but then you see you know your side characters yeah you're you know a lot of your side characters aren't playing in this but you know we're in your universe we're in your city so you know Liz and how she talks at hyperspeed and um, you know uh, Garvey's there and so you've got a few cameos from some of your recurring characters and I just really appreciate that how it, it comes through in each of the chapters and so it's it's a fun challenge to you know, when I'm writing my point of view and my characters are interacting with Mercury or Liz to try to match that energy characterization and whatnot. Well, yeah, I really appreciate hearing that. Like you say, um, that's great. I, that's what I kind of hope I'm doing with the characters. Mercury is probably my easiest character to write these days just because I've done so many different short stories and books and novellas from his point of view that like anytime I step back into it I'm always a little worried anytime I come to this project or something else because I'm not currently working on anything you know mercury related other than short things here and there <clears throat> so I'm always a little concerned when I step back in I'm like oh do I remember how he goes and you know like a page or two in, I'm like oh now here he is okay it's it's usually not I'm, I'm sure most writers are like that too when you're away from a project and you step back to it you're like oh no how am i going to do this and i usually have to go look steve you did this like 10 times already don't worry about it um jj with your books i told tell people who ask about them you know because the library where i used to work i made sure that we got those too for the kids to have and <clears throat> excuse me i tell people that reminds me of like a steven spielberg movie the classic Spielberg movies or like Stranger Things where it's from the kid's point of view and it's really kid-centered and the adults are, like you put it, you know, the adults are around, but they don't know what's going on. They're clueless about all the monsters and things happening, which just makes it even funner. Funner? Oh, dear. There we go. <laughs> it's too early in the morning for the grammar. Um, it makes it more fun because I like those kind of stories where it's got just that amount of fantasy to it because in real life if there were monsters around adults would probably notice at some point but i yeah. love the fact that in the stories the adults don't because it's got just that amount of fantasy that you're like oh this is funny this is great um you know when we did that off course thing together we you know made sure there weren't any parents in there iggy and oz were just out in the middle of the night meeting <laughs> mercury and lordana by a lake <laughs> it's like nobody has a problem with this it's fine so that's that's what I really enjoy about them, and I love the, you know, the interplay too with your with between the kids, and just the way that Oz is always constantly on his older brother cracks me up every time. Just you know, Iggy's trying his best, and he's the one who's kind of relaying the moral of the story, and Oz is just there like, 
yeah, okay, whatever. Look, this, I mean, so Oz is, Oz is what, nine, 10? Is that? Oz is. Okay. So that, that little bit of the age gap there too is a lot of fun to read. Yeah, I really, so then of course, you know, when we're doing this project, it's fun for me when I'm writing a chapter from Mercury's point of view and Jason's characters appear in it or your characters appear in it. So then I got to look at just stuff you guys have written and go, okay, well, how do we make this sound like, how would these kids react in this situation? And anytime I have Iggy and Oz at a scene, it's, it cracks me up while I'm writing it just because, you know, they're like unfazable. Nothing bothers them. The adults and the teens could be like, oh no, how do we deal with this thing? And Iggy and Oz are just like, okay. It's fine. There's monsters. Don't worry about it. Don't stress out. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I think that's what I like the most about that. Yeah, one of my favorite scenes so far is just when, you know, no spoilers, but just kind of a, you know, an action scene and the way that we're able to incorporate all three sets of our characters. You know, that was like a really ingenious way to pull things in. Man, it's like, yeah, this, this is working now. This, this project's coming together. It is. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's a you know what I've always tried to do with with Iggy is Iggy's getting to that age where you know twelve years old is about that age where you know they start trying to justify <laughs> lying or justify what they're doing that go, breaks the rules, and yet Oz is over here to the side trying to be the moral compass, saying you know Mom says you can't do that. I'm gonna get her, you know, like a basically and. I learned that because my kids are 10 and eight right now. Yeah. I literally learned that just by watching them interact and listening to them interact with their friends when they're playing video games on discord and things like, that. um, so that's where I learned it. But I, I think one of the points I think, um, you know, we were trying to get Iggy and on to California. And so, you know, I decided, well, one of the books that I write is going to be called The Hairless Sasquatch. And Iggy and Oz and their family take a break from Whispering Pines. They leave Whispering Pines and they go to <laughs> Area 51 and uh, encounter a hairless Sasquatch. And then from there, they <sighs> went to California. And that's how I got them to California. It, it was a vacation. But you know, I think there's that one scene at a particular location, which we're not going to talk about, where all three of the characters, like Jason said, they all converge for the first time. And that's about the point where I started looking at what Jason was writing. I looked at what Steve was writing. I looked at Iggy's chapter, and I just sat there and I go, okay, like Jason, this is clicking. And uh, I think at first we thought this would be like a little 10,000 word short story. <laughs> But like with all, <laughs> it's turning in, it's, it's too novella length right now. And I, I really don't know where we're going to end it. We're actually, <laughs> after we recording this, we're actually going to sit down and talk for a few minutes, folks, about where we're going with it. Because plot. As Who needs did, plot? Where are we going? Where we're going? We don't need plot. Yeah, That's right. Plot. And so when Steve says, hey, there's an outline included in our word count what he means by well we're gonna bring iggy and oz to this place and they're gonna crawl down this uh you know embankment and they're gonna encounter something what they encounter who knows <laughs> you know we'll figure it out when we get 
and you know it's it's little tidbits like that it's just like okay we know we're going to go here we know we're going to go there but what we're going to encounter when we get there oh this is fun we'll just make it up and it's 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 working and it's and uh it seems to be it seems to be jiving together because i think all three of our characters interact very very well together and um you know, and it, and it's it's cool to kind of see even some of the jealousy, like Iggy's jealous. Uh, you know, you know, he looks over at Jason's characters and he's sort of jealous of their superpowers. You know, and it's just, oh, it's, yeah. and and the fact that Mercury seems to be you know you know favoring them and you know like that because you know you know Iggy's idol is Mercury, so it's kind of fun to bring some of that type of stuff into the into the story as well. So. Yeah, and I'm leaning heavily. I wasn't sure about it at first, but the more it's going on, I'm leaning more heavily on Mercury stressing himself out because he's responsible for all these kids. Yeah. You know, I purposely removed and didn't have Lordana in the story at all because usually she's the grown up in the room. <laughs> and I took her out of the story. She I mean, like she's there for advice by phone, but that's not no. He's he's running this operation. He's got these four teenagers and two kids and they're his responsibility and he knows things are dangerous. And, you know, he's just kind of exasperated too because they're teenagers and, and elementary school kids. Yeah. And he's not, this well, is not his normal gig. I think, yeah. And I think that, that that puts Mercury into a position that he's never been before. And that allows you to really flesh out his character a lot more mm-hmm. in ways that he probably hasn't been you know, encountered, you know, the things he's encountered before. So I think taking her purposely out of the story, uh, other than just a few quick chats and things like that was, was brilliant. And I, I didn't notice it until, uh, until Iggy and Oz get into the car. And I was like, wait a minute, she hasn't really been here other than just a few chats or mentions here and there. So, um, it took me a minute to realize she hasn't really been in the story, so I think it was a brilliant move. Thanks. Well, I was just, you know, I was thinking about how we decided my character's powers would be glitching a little bit because a different world, you know, slightly different physics and things, and um, and we've had some fun surprises for readers um, of our various books. Going, oh, okay, well hopefully something's some nice twists and unexpected things, but um, you know, that means my characters are struggling a little bit because, you know, certainly they're um, out of their element. They're in a different universe and they're then things that they can lean on aren't quite um, you know, what they're used to. And um, yeah, so we've just been able to, um, you know, obviously uh, Iggy and Oz are in a different space and um, Iggy being around is, his idol, you know, kind of gets him flustered because he's trying to, you know, prove himself and step up. And Oz is just like, hey, what are you doing? And uh, he always cuts him down to size. It's just perfect. He does. I love it. So, <laughs> I mean, that's that's yeah. the rule I try to apply anytime I'm writing from Mercury's point of view and Iggy and Oz are going to be in the scene. I'm like, okay, Iggy has to be excited about stuff and do and do a good job, not like mess things up or anything like that. But Oz has to always kind of be like, like you said, cut him down a little bit and be like, dude, don't just tell you're embarrassing me. Stop it. Well, and let's talk about that a little, a little bit because, you know, 
Jason, your characters, they're in a different, we're, we're dealing with sort of like, you know, alternate realities or ultimate dimensions. Ultimate alternate universes. It's kind of like you know a fringe or something like that. Or, but you had to basically get your characters from one universe into Mercury's universe, where yes, it's still California, but there are cities in this universe that aren't in your character's universe. And so, let's talk about that because that's really what kicked this entire thing off was your characters sort of accidentally teleporting to this universe. So let's chat a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, the, um, I've got, a so I've got my four main characters and they're the only ones that, um, you know, are in the story. Cause you just, you can't bring all your, um, whole cast there. And they've got a, a character that would, waterbender that's joining the kind of joined the team um it's a little bit of spoilers but um it's working with them from the end of my series and so there's kind of a fog rolling in and they're um you know they get a message from her she's saying hey this isn't this isn't natural you know i can't um manipulate it like i would my normal powers because she's um i had a fun scene in in book three where they're searching for her. She's kind of an antagonist at the time before she crosses over and, um, you know, she's in this fog and she can make it even worse because of her ability to control water. And she's like, Hey, this is a natural. So, um, when they go to figure it out, um, you know, they, they're going to go teleport and that's kind of what, you know, I don't know whether we call it a rip in the, that's what Steve keeps using in his, universe that there's a um, dimensional rip or something or rift and um, yeah we don't have it all figured out I mean uh, you know we're um, but that's how we get them over there and it's um, you know it messes with them and um, you can just play on get back to you know when they're first learning how to use their powers and things I mean you know I mean, especially for, I think, Steve and I with characters who have these abilities and have done adventures, you know, they're getting, my kids are getting a level of competency, you know, they're working together better. Um, Steve obviously got, um, you know, a whole universe of things going on. And so what do you do? You, you set them, you know, you set them on your back foot, you have to give them disadvantages, you know, they're in a different place, their powers are a little glitchy, you know, Mercury, I mean, his powers are fine, but it's the, it's the psychological stuff. It's that responsibility. And it's like, Oh, you know, he's used to being kind of the, you know, the smart Alec freewheeling, you know, how many, you know, I don't care. Um, kind of, but he has to care. He has to kind of step up to the plate because there's nobody else to do it. He's like, where are all the grownups? I need, I need a grown up in here. Oh, it's just me. Dang it. Well, that's what I've been trying to do with him. And that's why this project is, you know, really good time, I think. Um, that's what I've been trying to do with him in some of the different books is gradually build up that responsibility as he gets dealt more and more challenges and things like that. So, yeah, I think the timing of this is just perfect because then it's even better. Because most of those times when he's got challenges, at least he's got like Laura Downer right there as his partner and they can figure things out together. Well, she's not. He's got to do it himself. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, 
like I said, this is this is kind of an oddball episode, but I wanted to get these guys on here because, um, you know, it is you know it, it won it was the one year anniversary. I wanted to get Steve back on for that. Jason's been on several episodes, five or six, I think, and uh, you know, and then we wanted to talk a little bit about our collaboration and just reveal this. So this is kind of one of those. We we geek out about writing and we geek about writing uh, speculative characters, but as far as timing is concerned, on when this book is going to release, like I said, we still got to finish it. But um, we're having a blast. Just know that we're working on something together. Uh, we're revealing it, and uh, here today, and uh, when it will come out. Uh, We'll let you know. We'll let you know more of it. And we don't know how we're going to release it just yet. So all those details will be coming soon. So uh, anyway, is there anything else you guys want to add before we hop off here? Uh, I don't know. Everything I want to add, I can't because it's all spoilery. So I got to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, why? Okay, well, I, I might be, um, you know, kind of doing a beta read on something fun coming from Steve very soon and really enjoying it. So um, right. there you go. There's a plug for Steve. Be watching for him because he's got some some stuff in the pipeline. All right. Well, folks, maybe when we get this released, uh, we can do a episode where we just come back on and we talk and we talk about even spoilers and uh, talk all about the book, some of our favorite <laughs> But that will be a while. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it as nebulous as we can. It's out there. No promises. <laughs> but maybe we need that deadline, though. It might be episode 83. But <laughs> so, uh, that's funny. Yes. <laughs> so, I think it's like 44, folks. All right, folks. This has been... Geeky Dads talking about geeky things. This has been Jason, Steve, and JJ, and that is a wrap. <laughs>